Isn't that cool? So I turned 59 a couple of weeks ago, and I've been noticing just some slippage, just some slippage happening. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's in the 20s too. I'm not sure. But this morning, you know, we're living down the hill, just a nine-minute walk away. We're uh, house sitting for Stephen Lou Greenhaw. They're in Florida, and we're building a house, so we're house sitting. So it's a nine-minute walk. So this morning, I thought I'm going to walk. It's so beautiful out. So I grabbed my phone, put it in my pocket. I thought I'm not going to look at my phone the whole walk till I get to my office. I'm going to pray. And just spend some time with Jesus getting ready, right? So get to my office, pull up my phone, and it's not my phone. It's my wife's phone. So that's a a bigger problem for me, actually, because um, she is the head nurse at Meadow Green. And I don't want to be getting calls to go help someone get up while I'm preaching. And so I said, okay, well, I better go back. So I walked back home, and then I walked back here again. So I got my 30 minutes in. It's been a great, great morning so far. But all of that because I think there's some slippage going on. You know what I'm saying? So the other thing I'm finding when I, as I get older is I love a good nap. Anybody else like a good nap? Anybody under 50 like a good nap? Really? Wow, Sharissa, really? I would have thought like Energizer Bunny just going, going. Okay, wow. Well, anyway, I like a good nap and nobody has to tell me to make, to lie down and take a nap. I was up at 3.30 this morning. I, I don't set my alarm. That's just when I got up. That's just the way it goes for me. And so I'll be going until we're done with worship tonight. But there will be a few minutes in the middle of my day that I will just kind of go like this, you know. And, and I'll look like that and I'll drool and stuff like that. My head bobs. I'm the guy on the plane that uh, head bobs, right? And so I nap. Um, now, the problem with that is I have windows in my office. As you can see, uh, staff people wander by with their cell phones and they take pictures of me, uh, uh, you know, napping. Yeah. Now my granddaughter Trilby, on the other hand, she won't nap unless you make her nap. And you know, she is just a girl that goes, 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 you put her down for a nap. You'll have to go in a half a dozen times at least, unless she's with the kitty, you know, that's buttons. Um, because she doesn't want to take a nap. It wasn't her idea, right? She didn't decide she wanted to take a nap. Somebody decided for her and she's busy. There's stuff to do. And I'm sure she's pretty convinced that she's going to miss out on something like Daniel Tiger and Donuts. Grandpa's going to watch Donut uh, Daniel Tiger while she's sleeping, right? So she's like worried that something's going to happen. But we make her lie down because we know that if she does not get a nap, we're going to pay. And, and she's going to pay. It's good for her. Even though she doesn't recognize it, it's good for her to lie down and rest. And it's really good for us when she lies down and rests. And so eventually she gets worn out from fighting and she will lie down eventually and take a nap. Um, because she figures out finally who's in charge. I'm bigger. You know, I can just make her lie down. And I'm her shepherd if I'm watching her. I'm going to make her lie down or, or her mom's going to make her lie down. But the same is true at this stage of my life. Spiritually speaking, I, I just love rest. I just love rest. There is so much going on in this world, you guys. There is so much challenge and so much trouble and so much chaos, so much meanness and news and media. And I'll tell you what, I get tired and overwhelmed. And so I really love to rest. And I'm not just, I'm not just talking about nap time, right? I'm talking about time with Jesus. And I'm so glad that my shepherd, the shepherd of my soul, knows what I need. And he makes me lie down. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go through verse 2 of Psalm 23. We're in this series, Still Waters. Uh, What an amazing passage of scripture. Uh, This is what I live my life from. 
This is how I maintain some sense of, you know, um, uh, staying, keeping my head above water <laughs> in this life. It's by living Psalm 23. So this morning what I'd like to do to start is if we would just read through verse 2 of Psalm 23 together. If you look at the screen, we'll all be in the same version, okay, of, of the scripture here. So let's read this together. Ready? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So there's a shepherd of your soul that knows what you need. He knows that you need to rest in order to stay healthy, spiritually, emotionally. He knows that you need to rest. So number one in your notes today is that my shepherd makes me lie down. My shepherd makes me lie down. And he doesn't just make me lie down anywhere, not in the middle of a busy street, you know, not in, in more fear, more anxiety, and not in a place that's harmful or hurtful for me. No, he leads me to green pastures. My shepherd, your shepherd, leads us to green pastures. And that's where he says, I, I want you to lie down here. You need some time away. You need some space away. You need to, to rest in my presence. You need to lie down. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about uh, my observation of green pastures and still waters and, and what those mean to me. Uh, this is this is how I relate to this scripture. I'm going to give you some insight into my life today, okay? So green pastures to me can mean a lot of things. can mean a lot of things, and they would all be accurate. But for me, what they mean is a sense of God's sovereignty and a sense of God's security. Those two convictions of mine are the things that keep me stable in this unstable world. The fact that I know, that I believe that God is sovereign. He allows what he allows. And that, that I believe I am secure uh, in the green pastures that he leads me to. So Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's his promise. He says, if you come to me, if you come to my green pastures, If you believe what I want you to believe about me, I will give you rest. Now, here's the thing about sheep. Sheep only lay down when they feel secure. Did you know that? Like sheep won't lay down unless they feel secure. And so the shepherd's goal is to bring them to this place of green pastures where they feel safe. And the only way they can really feel safe is if they believe that their shepherd is going to take care of them. That is how sheep feel safe. And the same is true for us. We feel safe... When we believe that our shepherd is taking care of us. And, and what we need to believe about God to feel safe is that he is sovereign. He allows what he allows. We can trust him. And that we are secure in him. That's, that's what I need to believe to stay stable in this unstable world. And that's what every one of us need to believe. That the shepherd is in charge. That he has a plan. So what are the green pastures? To me, the green pastures are knowing that God is sovereign in my life, knowing that God is sovereign in this world, and and that there is peace. There is peace in the plan. I know that God has a plan. I don't always know what it is. I can't tell you I know what his plan is. I know what the end game is. But I don't always know what's going to happen between here and there. But I know that he has a plan, so there's peace in his plan, and we can rest in his plan. So to me, his plan has two parts. First, very, very personal. Very personal for us. Paul says in Romans 5.1, and this really encapsulates uh, the personal peace that we have with God. He says, therefore, since we've been made right 
with God, in God's sight, by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. This is what I would call our personal peace. This is how we can live a life of peace, knowing that we're made right with God through Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that true? That you can have an element of peace in your life knowing that you're right with Almighty God. That you're in a right place with Him. Even though you fall, even though you fail like I do, you know that that you have peace with God. This is personal peace. Okay, and we all enjoy that. But there's also another peace, part two of the peace plan, is, is that God has a plan for the planet. God has a plan for the planet. Sometimes we forget that. God has a plan for the planet, and he's working his plan. And his plan is going to come to pass whether you're red or whether you're blue. I hope you're purple. You know, I hope you're, you're kingdom-oriented, not red or blue. And I understand we pick parties, and I understand we vote certain ways. But listen, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so you better find yourself purple more than red or blue. Okay? Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Because Jesus really wants our life to be about his kingdom. Now, I have an observation to share with you. I've noticed that the sheep have been getting anxious. The sheep have been getting skittish. The sheep are, are starting to kind of like fight with each other, you know? And that's not God's intention for us. But I understand why. We feel threatened. It's hard to lay down and rest when you feel threatened. We feel threatened by COVID. We feel threatened by the government. We feel threatened by this election. We even feel threatened by one another. This has been my observation. We feel threatened by one another. So as sheep, it's hard to lie down. But what you need to remember, and this is how you can lie down in the green pastures, you need to remember that God has a plan for the planet. He hasn't forgotten about it. He hasn't checked out. He's not on vacation. He's not on sick leave. God is still about his plan, even though at times we wonder what the heck that plan is, right? We don't know what it is. And honestly, to be honest with you, we don't know who he's going to use to accomplish his purposes. We don't know who God is going to use. And so he has a plan. And so what we need to do is not fear, but rest in his plan. We can rest even when we don't know what the plan is. We can still rest because we trust God's sovereignty and we feel secure in his shepherding of us. So the other thing we need to rest from is the fear of death. The fear of death. The fear of death is crippling. The fear of death causes us to not really have the abundant life that Jesus wants us to have. You know he came to give us life and life to the full, right? which most scholars believe that means eternal life and abundant life on this planet, enjoying our relationship with him on this planet. But fear of death is not from God. That's from the enemy. Clearly, it's from the enemy. It's the roaring lion. So how do you fight fear? Well, I fight fear by truly believing that God has a plan for my life. I fight the fear of death by believing God has a plan for my life. And I want to ask you that Today, do you believe that? Do you believe God has a plan for your life? Now, that doesn't mean you know the whole plan. That doesn't mean you know where you'll be in 10 years. You don't have a five-year plan. I'm not saying that. Do you believe that, generally speaking, God has a plan for your life? The Bible teaches that he does. You are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God had planned for you long ago. 
God has a plan for your life. And I love this psalm. I, I live my life out of this psalm. This is why I'm not afraid of death. Psalm 139, 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I don't know about you. That gives me great peace to know that God has my days numbered. You know, I have a friend named Nick. And Nick found out this last year that he has cancer. Pancreas, liver, not good. So he's in treatment. He's younger than me. He's hoping for healing and recovery. He has a wife. He has kids. And he knows they need him. And he knows he wants to stick around to be in their life. And he has friends. But at the same time, he has peace in the plan. We just were talking last week. And Nick Nick would say to you, if he were standing here this morning, he would say, Jesus, I trust that you have numbered my days. I trust that I'm not going to get any more days than you had numbered, and I trust that I'm not going to get any less days than you had numbered. I place my life in the sovereignty and security of your hands. I'll tell you what, when you're facing cancer like that, that is how to have peace. Nick is not afraid of death. He wants to stay so that he can be here for his wife and kids, friends. But he is not afraid. I trust that I'm going to live every day that God has me to live. I trust that. I trust that I'm going to go when he's ready for me to go. But so many people are so afraid these days. It's crippling. Outside the church, inside the church. I mean, just think about, about COVID and, and what it has done to us. We're afraid. We're afraid. Now, i got to be honest with you. I've lost so many more loved ones to cancer than I have to COVID. And I'm not minimizing COVID. I understand we have to take it seriously and do our part. But I've lost my brother. I've lost my dad. I lost my favorite cousin, Troy. You know, we grew up together, living life. Uh, we've lost, I've lost several of my friends. We lost J.T. Windley last year. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And honestly, last year in 2019, 1.8 people were were diagnosed with cancer in the U.S. 1.8 new people. And that will continue every year. And last year, over 600,000 people died from cancer. Yet, yet, I don't live in fear of that. I don't want to get it. I don't want to catch it. But yet I don't let it dictate to my life, how I'm going to live. For example, we still drive cars that emit fumes that cause cancer. We still, if you come to my house, I will still barbecue you a carcinogenic steak, (laughs) burnt to perfection, even though we know carcinogens can cause cancer. And I won't have an ounce of guilt about that. I'll serve you cancer on a plate. You know what I'm saying? You know, we still sit around campfires and breathe smoke and we celebrate camping. We, we still spray for weeds. And we still sell cigarettes to our children. And we still legalize marijuana. And so all that I'm saying to you today is that, you know, we choose what we fear. We choose what we fear. So let's talk a little more about why I don't fear. I don't fear death. Because I truly believe that God has laid out every moment of my life. I do. You know, Friday night, I went to Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic's fundraiser and celebration of their year. And it was weird because we had to COVID distance and box lunches. But it was awesome. And this woman came and spoke to us. 
This woman is a survivor of abortion. So this woman was aborted by her mother um, when they thought her mother was about, uh, I think, uh, 20 weeks along. turned out she was 31. So this woman aborted this baby. Um, normally it takes two to three days of saline poisoning for a, a baby to die. This woman survived in the womb five days of saline poisoning, and then her mother gave birth to her. And she had ingested, it was all around her, she was very, very sick when she was born, I think just under three pounds, is that right, Ramona? Something like that. And she survived. She survived. Everybody was amazed, and that was in the days when, you know, they did everything they could to help the baby if the baby survived the abortion. So the baby survives. Fast forward, I can't tell you the whole story, but fast forward, she's on the stage speaking to us at Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic. It was remarkable. A remarkable testimony. And my point is this. God has our days numbered. And God knows when he wants someone to survive. And God is sovereign in every single life. He is. And so we need to believe that about ourselves. I found myself leaving that place just filled with faith. Again, about how I don't need to fear death. If God can do that for this little tiny, tiny baby... Why can't he do that for me? Why can't he do that for you? Why should we fear the number of our days? Listen, I'm 59 years old. If I live as long as my mom, that's another 32 years. Oh, God, please take me home before I'm 91. You know, I I, I saw where you end up when you live that long. I don't want to end up that way. But truly, if I die today, if I walk out the doors and die any of the dozens of ways that I could die today, um, and I miss... The 12,750 days that I could live, I'm telling you, I will not miss a single day because I'll be with him. Now, hopefully you'll miss me. (laughs) First service, my daughter was in the front row. I said, honey, you'd miss me, right? She goes, oh, yes, daddy, I'd miss you. My wife, I hope she'd miss me. My grandkids would miss me. Like like Nick, I don't have a death wish because I want to be here for my kids. And you, I want to be here. But yet, if I were to go, now think about this. This is how you have to view death. If you were to go, you would not miss this world at all. It's not that great, by the way. It's okay. It's not that great. Heaven is going to be mind-blowing. So why do we fear death? Why do we fear death? Right? And so that's what God's been speaking to me. This is the green pasture of, of a sovereign God to know that he has my life in his hands. And he says to me, Kurt, come and lay down. Come and lay down in this green pasture of reassurance that nothing's going to happen to you that I don't allow. And if I allow it, I'll be there for you in it. Right? That's what God says to me. Paul said in Romans 8.18, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that what is waiting for us is far more glorious than anything we could experience here? Then why do we fear? Why do we fear? Why do we fear? God has a plan. Don't worry so much about how the election is going to turn out. Do your part. Pray. Vote. But don't worry. Because God has a plan. And his plan is going to unfold regardless of how much you worry about it. And I honestly think it's going to surprise us when we get to the end of our days and, and we realize what was happening in his kingdom while all this other noise was going on around us. People coming to Christ. You want to talk about a pandemic? People going to hell. That's a pandemic. 
So people coming to Christ is what we want to focus on. So here's what I believe. I have a, an, an election prediction for you this morning. You want to hear it? Here's what's going to happen. My sovereign God is going to use either Trump or Biden to accomplish his purposes, whatever that is. You know, And that doesn't mean I'm fatalistic. I believe strongly in who I'm voting for. But God used Pharaoh. God used Herod. God used Judas. So don't think God can't use anyone he wants. And he will accomplish his purposes, whatever that is. Do not fear. That's the command. Jesus said in Luke 12, don't be afraid, little flock. Don't you love that little flock? All, our, all of us are little sheeples, aren't we? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness. It gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Now, I want you to notice He didn't say it gives your father great happiness to give you the president of your choice or the elected official of your choice. He said it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. And I want you to remember today that amidst all this noise of elections, it's still the kingdom that's important. And his kingdom is not of this world. So work hard. I'm not saying shirk your responsibilities. I'm not saying don't care. I care deeply. I do. I care deeply. But remember, it's about the kingdom. And so we don't have to fear. And then let your insecurity drive you to the green pastures. Let the trouble of this world prepare you for heaven. As Paul said, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. My wife and I have tickets for Palm Springs. I, I pray that they won't shut down. Will you pray for me? Because it's all about me. That, that, you know, I'll be able to go on vacation. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to try to escape the darkness and the rain and go for a week of sunshine. But here's, here's what I'm going to tell you about me. I will not stop doing what I'm doing until I go on vacation. I'll continue to pour myself into what it is that God has me do. And that's how God wants us to live in preparation for heaven. Don't, don't shut down. Don't stop. Pour yourself into whatever it is God has called you to do and do it. And do it. And don't fear. Because the momentary light afflictions that you experience are just preparing you for the weight of glory that God has for you. It's almost like these afflictions create space in our soul. And we, we come to heaven... <laughs> fully expanded, right, because of the pain and troubles of this world and the afflictions of this world. And the world has done its part to expand our capacity for glory. And then we get to heaven and, man, we get filled with the glory of God. And everything's glorious and we're glorious. And, and we get to experience the weight of glory. That's what I think this life is for, just to get us ready for heaven. Hebrews 4.9 says, There's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who've entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Would you say that, verse 11, with me? Let us do our best to enter that rest. Let's say it again. Let us do our best to enter that rest. God has provided the rest for us in Christ. Jesus is our resting place. We need to live our life in his shepherding ways in the security of knowing that that he is sovereign and knowing that God has a plan and lying down in the green pastures 
of God's sovereignty and security. And that brings me to number two today. Number two is he also leads me beside still waters. Leads me beside still waters. Now, when I think about still waters, I think about fly fishing. I love to fly fish. I'm a fly fisherman. I've got buddies I fly fish with. And I love it when God leads me to still waters and the fish are biting. There's nothing better than that. I love it when the fish are biting. I love it when I'm catching a fish from the still waters. And the waters are only still until the fish bites. Then they explode. You know, with like we're catching five and six pound trout in this little still pond. And there's nothing like it. But that's not what this is talking about. Sure, I get rest for my soul as I, you know, habitually cast and cast and cast and cast. Does something. It rests me. It rests my mind. I love it. But that's not what we're talking about. There's an even better rest that the writer of Hebrews talks about. And that's the rest for our heart, the rest for our mind, the rest for our spirit uh, that comes from being by still waters. And here's what I think about still waters. Again, you can have your own definition. That's fine. This is, this is how I have felt this week about still waters. And that is that we get rest from our minds when we have reflection and repentance by still waters. When we find ourselves by still waters and we reflect and we repent. That we let the still waters of reflection lead us to repentance, which results in peace. David, after he sinned so horribly, and as Steve mentioned last week, and he uh, you know, had an affair with Bathsheba, and then he has her husband killed. All that horrible sin was the, the you know, foundation of this psalm that he wrote. This was his psalm of repentance. This was his still water psalm. Psalm 32, he says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared. Somebody say amen. Amen. That is good news. Whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. How can I rest in the midst of chaos? How can I rest in the midst of failure or sin? Rest only comes when I reflect on my life And I identify anything that's between me and God. And then I take some time to repent, to change, to go the other direction from what it was that has gotten between me and my shepherd. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to rest by still waters. He wants us to have a clear and accurate picture of who we are and what we need from him and of who he is and what he can give us. That's what God wants us to do beside the still waters. Recognize our need, our desperation for what only he can do. Forgive us. Restore us. But then also have a very clear picture of our Savior in that same still waters. One of my favorite hikes is up at Picture Lake, up at Mount Baker. And this is so beautiful. And I love this because when the lake is still, you can see Mount Shuxon, and it's a beautiful representation of the mountain. And I found myself thinking the other day, you know, Mount Shuxon doesn't know what they look like, right? Or what she looks like, I guess. A mountain is a she, right? Sorry, that's not offensive, is it? Um, But never mind. Okay. So stop, stop. Danger, Will Robinson. Uh, So but Mount Shuxon has no idea what she looks like. Until she sees herself in the still waters of Picture Lake. And if she could see herself, she could say, oh, that's what I look like. Oh, that's what I look like. I'm majestic. I'm awesome. Look what God has made, right? And the same is true for us. We can't really see ourselves until we come to the the still waters that God wants 
with his Holy Spirit to work in us and to show us an accurate picture of who we are and what we need. So we need those still waters of our life. And David recognized that. He needed those still waters. And so we recognize that a place where we reflect on who we are and how we're living our life and a place that we repent from who we are and how we're living our life and a place where we see Jesus who can forgive us for who we are and how we're living our life and how that leads to peace. Peace with God. No striving, complete honesty between you and your Savior. He is the safest place to be. People are afraid to come to God when they've sinned. I say, no, run hard to God. He's the safest place to be when you have fallen or you have failed. Paul said in Acts 3, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshment comes from repentance. Repentance gives way to refreshment. There's nothing like the refreshment of knowing you're not hiding anything from God. As if you could. Right? But it's that open, honest relationship that you have with your shepherd that says, I need you and thank you for showing me in the still waters where I need you today, where I need you this week. And Jesus, thank you for giving me such a clear picture of who you are and what you can do for me. Those are the still waters of Psalm 23. There's nothing between me and my shepherd. There's no fear. There's no doubt. There's no second guessing my relationship with him. I am fully convinced that I'm his child. Whether or not I perform perfectly, I'm his child and he loves me and he accepts me. That is the clear representation. And so then I'm free. I'm free to drink freely of grace Freely to drink freely of, free to drink freely of, forgi- of forgiveness and of assurance of eternity. I'm free to drink freely of all that. And Jesus said, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. I think God wants us to drink freely of him and to let him be our refreshment. So let's bow our heads this morning. We're going to close our time today with a time of communion. And Joel and Becky are going to come and they're going to sing a song. While they do, I'm just going to ask you to reflect on your life in this still water moment. I'm going to ask you to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about anything that's between you and him. And in this moment of honesty, just allow him to make things right through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, in this moment, we just pray that uh, we would see you for who you are. We would see you in your amazing compassion for us, in your mercy for us. You are not an angry God. You are not uh, waiting to punish us, Lord. You have come to seek and save us. You have come to restore us. You have come to redeem us. And, and yes, that does require our confession and repentance. But Jesus, thank you that the clear picture of you in the still waters of this moment is that you gave your life for us. Thank you, Jesus.